when you're too cheap to go to the library. The look inside this book club. I'm Becky Selengut. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I've got the power! I heard that you don't have a game for this book because it's the game of our life right now. Right. I I think the game is clearly this is a a book um, that is entirely, uh, takes place entirely like within the mind of a psychopath. Mm. Um, And like none of the things you will hear in the book are real. They are all, you know, hallucinations. So so I want to think about like what what's really going on. And Mm. I I don't have any theories, but uh, it's not this. So I actually don't really know much about. I mean, I've heard this book, but I don't really know. Me neither. It's a ghostwriter who now hates him, right? Yep, that's true. Tony Schwartz. Okay, and but he did do extensive interviews with him, I assume. Well, here's what I have heard. Uh, what Tony Schwartz reports is that... Uh, oh, by the way, the book this week is The Art of the Deal by Donald J. Trump. <laughs> can we um, use a different name for his yeah, last sure. name? Like, um, can we d- elect a name that will stand in? Like, uh, like Dump Bucket or something? G Showers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, dump bucket's funny too. <laughs> okay. Um, Either that dump bucket or G showers. Either I, one. I, are you saying dumb bucket or dump? I said dump bucket, but dumb bucket is dump also, bucket was okay. what I was saying. But I like right. I like them both. Yeah. Um, what I've heard is that uh, uh, Mister Mister Dumb Bucket um, had too short of an attention span to actually sit still for an interview. So he's like, yeah. you know, just follow me around and write whatever. And so that's how the that's book came happened? about. Yeah. Oh. So. Uh, shall we, shall we get to it? I, I'm, I feel so anticipatorily disgusted. Uh Uh-huh. Pre-nauseous, as it were. Chapter one, dealing. A week in the life. Wait, wait, this is 1983, this came out? Oh, uh, I think think it was later. Is that, no, that that could be right, huh? Yeah, I think it was, Um, it was right in the, like, the heart of this yuppie, Yuppie, preppy. There was a very specific kind of asshole that was very Uh, much in the public imagination at that time, right? Yes, I have a picture in my mind of a family member. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't do it for the money. Of course not. I've got enough, much more than I'll ever need. I do it to do it. Deals are my art form. (laughs) Fuck this book. (laughs) (laughs) Other people paint beautifully on canvas or write wonderful poetry. I like making deals, preferably big deals. That's how I get my kicks. Okay. <laughs> okay. So recently, this, we've learned that there are other ways that this person gets his kicks. G showers gets his kicks all <laughs> kinds of way. Um, so the author again, name last name? Uh, Tony Schwartz. So oh, oh, oh dumb bucket. No, no, the, no. <laughs> the the author of this book, Tony Schwartz. Tony Schwartz. So Schwartz is writing as if he is dumb bucket right now. Yes. Yes. In so his mind, this is this is dumb bucket. Okay. It's, yeah. It's like Tony Schwartz is like the small print. You know, with Tony Schwartz. Is this going to be the way this book is is narrated entirely from the perspective? Of course. God. I mean, it's the true, completely fabricated story (laughs) of of, uh, America's greatest deal maker. Okay. Most people are surprised by the way I work. I play it very loose. I don't carry a briefcase. I try not to schedule too many meetings. I leave my door open. (laughs) You can't be imaginative or entrepreneurial if you've got too much structure. I prefer to come to work each day and just see what develops. <laughs> I think that's going to work at his new job. <laughs> I think it's going to be work just the way it's been working uh, so far. There, you mean like uh, <laughs> multiple bankruptcies? Okay. Yes. There is no typical week in my life. I wake up most mornings very early, around six, and spend the first hour or so of each day reading the morning newspapers. I usually arrive. No, at- he does not. <laughs> I right away. That's a, that's a lie. 
That's I, a big lie. Well, I mean, this was this was uh, a long time ago. Now, now no, he just he's like, never read a fucking paper. He re- he maybe reads the stock section of I the Wall Street Journal. I think he reads articles about himself for sure. But he's not sitting not down the, just not reading. the rest of the paper. No. But yeah, yeah, okay, okay. We're gonna have, uh, we have to do like we're because since we're journalists, I have to when there's a lie, I have to say something. Exactly. If you see something, say something. <laughs> okay. Oh boy, that could have saved us a lot of trouble. Uh, <laughs> I, I see u- something. I see something. <laughs> I usually arrive at my office by nine, and I get on the phone. There's rarely a day with fewer than fifty calls, and often it runs to over a hundred. In between, I have at least a dozen meetings. The majority occur on the spur of the moment, and few of them last longer than fifteen minutes. I. I don't. I've, I haven't worked in an office in a really long time. But how does have that you ever work? Ever worked in an office? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, how do you have a spur? Of the, is that a real thing that he's talking about? Because it sounds made up. Um, a spur of the moment meeting. I can. I think he's he's of course exaggerating, and I think what he means is someone knocks on his door, steps in the office, okay. has a little you know I chat guess. with them for ten minutes, and then walks out. That's a meeting. And the word "deal" is uttered ninety-seven times. Mm-hmm. Okay. I rarely stop for lunch. I leave my office by 6.30, but I frequently make calls from home until midnight and all weekend long. <laughs> it never stops, and I wouldn't have it any other oh way. Oh, my God. I try to learn from the past, but I plan for the future by focusing exclusively on the present. Wait. <laughs> okay, let, me, let me say this again, Wait, because there's a lot of wisdom packed into one sentence. I want to make sure I understand this for my life. I try to learn from the past, but I plan for the future by focusing exclusively on the present. Means absolutely, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's where the fun is. And if it can't be fun, what's the point? Oh, is he having fun now? Do you th- do you think, Matthew? Well, we're going to see exactly what kind of fun because now we're going to go into like a, you know a beat by beat description of a typical day in the life. I can't wait. Monday, nine a.m. My first call is to Alan Ace Greenberg on the trading floor of Bear Stearns, a Jew. major Wall Street investment <laughs> banking firm. <laughs> Alan is the CEO of Bear Stearns. He's been my investment banker for the past five years, and he's swamp. the best there is. Swamp now, monster. <laughs> Bear, Bear Stearns swamp. totally went bankrupt a few years uh-huh, ago, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> two weeks ago, we began buying stock in Holiday Inns. It was selling in the 50s. As of this morning, Alan tells me, I own just over a million shares, or slightly more than 4% of the company. The stock closed Friday at $65 a share, mostly, Alan says, because word is out on the street that I've been a big buyer, and there's speculation I'm planning a run on the company. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, presumably, this book was a bestseller, like, uh, you know, before he became, like, America's national douchebag. Mm-hmm. Like, there were people who thought that, like, you know, they wanted this job, this completely mm-hmm. fake job that involves losing lots of money and pretending you didn't, right? But but when this came out, I remember I remember when this came out because <clears throat> my family member who I shall not name okay. bought this book and sure, lived this kind of life. And he he was I think at that point very much an up and coming, not my my relative, but Trump uh, Trump was yeah. very much an up and coming douchebag. I mean, he was still yeah for sure. P- people thought of him as very very successful, right? And so. I think people just wanted to emulate that, and this is the the book was the Bible. Okay, so when I was, uh, I remember approximately when this came out, a little later, I guess, because we had Trump the board game, <laughs> which was a real thing. Was it gilded? It was. It was based on Monopoly, but it was all like instead of buying, you know, uh, Ventnor Avenue, you buy uh, like a cruise line or a skyscraper or right, some so, shit. So, so the minimum rent was a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um. The ex- the bills. I, I think the bills were like one million, five million, and ten million. Oh my god! Um, Did you get eat Trump steak when you went to jail? <laughs> That's what they called it. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Uh, the thing I remember was I used to play it with my younger brothers, and this was the game that 
inevitably would turn into a fist fight every time. Like whoever lost Trump the game, you know, it was not fair. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to kick your ass. Well, that seems in 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 keeping with the the right. I think it was designed that way. Uh-huh. All right. The truth is, I'm keeping my options open. I may ultimately go for control of Holiday, which I think is somewhat undervalued. Oh, we don't have time to say the whole thing. We just oh, say that, Holiday. That's right. I'm a very busy man. I have like 50 uh, spur-of-the-moment meetings. meetings a day. Like, if I said the whole hotel chain, I would never get through this, this day. That's right. <laughs> I imagine like he, he goes into a meeting and keeps abbreviating things and people get upset or don't know what he's talking about. Right. Like, you know, I'm making, I'm making a play for Mick. No, wait, is that McDonald's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> McKinstry? No, it's an Italian yeah. person. It's an Irish person, oh, not sorry, an Italian person. All of this is getting cut out. No, it's not. Uh, holiday, uh, I could get control for less than $2 billion. Holiday's three casino hotels could be worth nearly that much, and the company owns another 300,000 hotel rooms besides. A second, op- second option, if the stock price goes high enough, is to sell my stake and take a very nice profit. Wait, stake? Uh, <laughs> oh, steak, steak, steak. <laughs> it's, just, it's to sell some frozen steaks okay. and make a really nice profit. you got to ask. If I did that today, I'd already be up around $7 million. The third possibility is that Holiday may eventually offer to buy back my shares at a premium. This, this is very boring for the so second page boring. of this book. Simply to get rid of me. If the premium is big enough, I'll sell. In any case, I enjoy seeing the lengths to which bad managements go to preserve what they call their independence, which really just means their jobs. Now, um, whoa. As as we've noticed uh, in the in the last couple of years, uh, Mr. Mr. Dumbucket is the kind of guy who will um, accuse everyone else of the thing he's guilty of. Absolutely. So, they, yes. So when you hear bad management, uh, yes. you know, lengths to which bad management will go to preserve the illusion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 9.30 a.m. Abraham Hirschfeld calls me looking for advice. Jew. <laughs> Abe is a successful real estate developer, but he wants to be a politician. Unfortunately for Abe, he's a far better developer than politician. Oh, boy. Okay. This fall, Abe tried to run for lieutenant governor against Governor Cuomo's hand-picked candidate, Stan Lundeen. Cuomo led a court fight to get Hirschfeld off the ballot on technical grounds, and sure enough, halfway into the campaign, the court ruled Hirschfeld out. Abe knows I'm friendly with the governor, and he wants my advice now on whether he should should endorse Cuomo or switch parties and endorse Cuomo's opponent. I tell him it's a no-contest question. Stick with a winner and a good guy at that. We set a meeting for Thursday. I'm not actually sure what that advice, who's the good guy. Nope. Okay. Nope. 10 a.m. I call Don Imus to thank him. Imus, Not you. <laughs> right. Imus has one of the most successful <laughs> radio shows in the, U- in the United States on WNBC, and he's been helping to raise money for the Annabelle Hill Fund. That's Imus in the morning, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed at how this has snowballed into such a media event. It began last week when I saw a national news report by Tom Brokaw about this adorable little lady from Georgia, Mrs. Hill, who was trying to save her farm from being foreclosed. Aw, um, grab her by the pussy. <laughs> well, I mean, we're talking. Uh, Pull her up by her p- pussy bootstraps. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> Ow. Well, I mean, this is what this really is. It's a book by America's greatest philanthropist, um, <laughs> philanderer, <laughs> philanthropist. Her 67-year-old husband had committed suicide a few weeks earlier, hoping his life insurance would save the farm, which had been in the family for generations. But the insurance proceeds weren't nearly enough. It was a very sad situation, and Aww, I was moved. Sad. Exactly. (laughs) here were people who had worked very hard and honestly all their lives only to see it crumble before them to me it just seemed wrong wrong do you think (laughs) okay what do you think the odds are that mr dumb bucket gave one cent to this to this person in in reality he he probably gave a cent if someone was watching sure but 
took the scent back when they turned around. Yeah. Through NBC, I was put in touch with a wonderful guy from Georgia named Frank Argenbright, who'd been been very involved in trying to help Mrs. Hill. Frank directed me to the bank that held Mrs. Hill's mortgage. The next morning, I called and got some vice president on the line. I explained that I was a businessman from New York and that I was interested in helping Mrs. Hill. He told me he was sorry, but it was too late. They were going to auction off the farm, he said, and nothing or no one is going to stop it. This entire oh. story sounds made up, right? Entire story. Like, this is, this is like the plot of, like, someone's first screenplay. No, or like, no, this is what he would, like, someone in one of his beauty contests would be saying yes. in there, like, this is my greatest moment, and this is my aspiration. Right. I want to like, do this yeah, for people. He overheard they, this, you know, yeah, and yeah. stole it. Uh-huh. That really got me going. I said to the guy, you listen to me. If oh. you do foreclose, I'll personally bring a lawsuit for murder against you and your bank on the grounds that you harassed Mrs. Hill's husband to death. All of a sudden, the bank officer sounded very nervous and said he'd get right back to me. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are we almost done? Or can we take a break? Because I seriously am having heart sure, palpitations. Sure, let's take a break. <laughs> Sometimes it pays to be a little wild. Like, wow. su- like Such as in G a Russian, Russian hotel room, for example. Uh, Wait a second. Hold up. Time yeah. out. Okay. Some people are saying that he, that the prostitutes allegedly peed on him. Some are saying that they allegedly peed on the bed that the Obamas slept in, in this hotel room. My question is, he's staying in the hotel room. So if, it's, <laughs> if, if, if they peed on the bed, where the hell is he sleeping? And furthermore... I feel like you want a flow chart or like a, a diagram. Was with that like, a pun? <laughs> not intentionally, but I'm very happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> did did or did not kellyanne conway say well it's not like he asked them to shit on him did she say that i saw that i would believe anything i would at this believe point. anything and that's that's where we are now matthew is right. that i saw that and i i didn't have the time to see if it was an onion article or a real thing and i could be either way is the onion still in business i mean <laughs> it's called the <laughs> it, yeah it's, it's known as the wall street journal now <laughs> exactly uh I don't know. I, know. I, I have no idea what's true or untrue anymore. Uh, I don't think anybody weird. does. Times okay. are weird. Sometimes it pays to be a little wild. An hour later, I got a call back from the banker, and he said, don't worry, we're going to work it out, Mr. Tramp. Excuse me? <laughs> Tramp? He called, the he's, banker called him Mr. Tramp? He's trying to be funny, I think. <laughs> Mr., Mrs. Hill and Frank Argenbright told the media, and the next thing I knew, it was the lead story on the network news. By the end of the week, we'd raised $40,000. Imus alone raised almost 20000 by appealing to his listeners. As a Christmas present to Mrs. Hill and her family, we've scheduled a mortgage-burning ceremony for Christmas Eve in the atrium of Trump Tower. By then, I'm confident we'll have raised all the money. I've promised Mrs. Hill that if we haven't, I'll make up any difference. And all because why? What was the reason he got involved with Let's, this? Uh, um, he heard about it uh, on, from Tom Brokaw on the news. Okay. But what he's not saying, he, let's, let's let's analyze what he's not saying oh, in this sure. book, which is that there was some massive scandal about him right before this That's happened. That's exactly it. And so this was yes. the like, look at my right hand over here helping out this old woman and her dead husband. Right, and and not actually giving any money, I'm no, sure, or okay. taking some sort of tax break from this. Yep. I tell Imus he's the greatest, and I invite him to be my guest one day next week at the tennis matches at the U.S. Open. (laughs) I have a courtside box, and I used to go by myself almost every day. Now I'm so busy, I mostly just send my friends. Oh, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's got a courtside box. He knows it. You know, you got to grab that courtside box. 11.15 a.m. 
Harry Usher, the commissioner of the U.S. Football League, calls. Last month, the jury in the antitrust suit we brought against the National Football League ruled that the NFL was was a monopoly, but awarded us only token damages of $1. I've already let the better players on my team, the New Jersey Generals, sign with the NFL, but the ruling was ridiculous. We argue about the approach we should take. I want to be more aggressive. What worries me, I say to Harry, is that no one is pushing hard enough on an appeal. <laughs> I, I always like it in a, in a story uh, like, when you're, you know, when, whenever, whenever I tell a story, like everyone else in the story is not, not just an idiot, but seems to like, you know, have like blank slate disease. <laughs> like, you know, a, an appeal. Like, I never thought of that. Wow, right? what a good idea. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot those that, they were, that you could do that. 12 noon. Jerry Schoenfeld, I, you know, it's 12 noon already. I don't think he's had enough meetings. I don't think so. I think so. there's some, there's some stuff left out here. Jerry Schoenfeld, head of the Schubert organization, the biggest Broadway theater owners, calls to recommend a woman for a theater. job as an office administrator. He mm. tells me the woman specifically wants to work for Donald Trump, and I say she's crazy, but I'll be happy to see her. Well, what? he's right about one thing. Yep. We talk a little about the theater business, and I tell Jerry I'm about to take my kids to see Cats, one of his shows, for a second time. Oh. <laughs> I loved it. It was much better than Cats. I'm going to see it again and again. Uh, he asked pussy I... thing started right then <laughs> oh, and yeah, there. Yeah. If, you, if you got a chance to see Cats, you've got to grab it. Uh, he asked if I'm getting my tickets through his office. I tell him I don't like to do that sort of thing. What is that? Oh, use his influence to get to get like discount free tickets to a show. Oh, he would sure. Never... No, he would never use his influence, Not like for... calling no. a banker and threatening. Like <laughs> he, he would never ever do that thing he did forty five minutes, minutes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he doesn't do it anymore. That's the important thing. Of course not. Uh, don't be silly, he says. We have a woman here whose job it is to handle tickets for our friends. Here's her number. Don't hesitate to call. It's a nice gesture from a very nice guy. <laughs> oh, everyone's so nice when they're doing things for him. Uh-huh. One, one fifteen p.m. Anthony Gleedman stops by to dis- discuss <laughs> the Wolman Rink project. I think you missed one earlier. I think I did. Gleedman was housing commissioner under Ed Koch. Jew. At the time, we fought a lot. And even though I ended up beating him in court, I always thought he was bright. <laughs> I don't hold it against people that they have opposed me. I'm just looking to hire the best talent wherever I can find it. Oh, well, that does actually go along with the way he does act, which is that he's, he seems to forgive very quickly. Really? Well, yeah, Paul Ryan. Perfect example. I guess. No, he does. If, if, yeah. if someone all of a sudden sings his praises and... No, you're right. You just, you just he have just to forgets. grovel. He, he, right? lives, he lives in the... He plans for the future, lives in the present, forgot the past. What was that? <laughs> I think that was pretty much it. He, uh, I, I, I think... No, I don't remember it at all. It made no yeah. sense. Tony has been helping to coordinate the rebuilding of the Woolman Skating Rink in Central Park, a project the city failed at so miserably for seven years. In June, I offered to do the job myself. Now oh. we're ahead of schedule. Oh, he is so amazing. <laughs> uh-huh. He just he went out there to the park. He rolled up his sleeves. He got some, uh, how do you build an ice rink? I don't know. Um, like uh, Stamboni? <laughs> I think you start with a Stamboni. He's uh, bigly braggadocious. <laughs> now we're ahead of schedule, and Tony tells me that he set up a press conference for Thursday to celebrate the last important step in construction, pouring the concrete. There well, you go. answers that question. Uh, it doesn't sound like much of a news event to me, and I ask him if anyone is likely to show up. He says <laughs> at least a dozen news organizations have, has, have RSVP'd yes. Fake so news. much, Fake So news. much for my news judgment. News. <laughs> <laughs> 2 p.m., I get deposed in a lawsuit we've... Oh, God. Whoa. I wish he would get deposed. I get deposed in a lawsuit we've brought against a contractor on Trump Tower. Halfway into the job, we had to fire the company for total incompetence, and we're suing for damages. Wait, hold up. Incompetence was... What kind of company was it? A contractor that was working on Trump Tower. 
Ah, because they hired too many black people, I'm sure. Exactly. I hate lawsuits and depositions, but the fact <laughs> is, yeah, you know, you have they, they when they submitted the paperwork, they didn't put the right codes on it to let you know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate lawsuits and depositions, but the fact is that if you're right, you've got to take a stand or people will walk all over you. Mm-hmm. In any case, there's no way I could avoid depositions, even if I never brought a lawsuit myself. Nowadays, if your name is Donald Trump, everyone in the world seems to want to sue you. Or pee on you. Yeah. 3 p.m. I asked Norma Forderer, my executive assistant and the person who keeps my life organized, <laughs> to bring me a lunch, a can of tomato juice. I rarely go out because mostly it's a waste of time. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> L- th- wait, the lunch is the can of tomato juice? Yep. That's all he has for lunch. Well, you got to... Um, what, you... what did he have for breakfast? Did we get that? I don't think he mentioned it. Um, but, it, well, he said earlier that he doesn't usually uh, eat lunch because it's a waste of time. But you, you got you to gotta get, like, some nutrients in there. So he, he, what he should be drinking is one of those, uh, you know, protein shakes. But I don't know if they had them back then. Probably he invented them single-handedly. I don't trust anyone who has a can of tomato juice for lunch. I'm just going to put that out there. You don't trust this guy? No. Nope. You're kidding no, me. No, I know. And that's the, that's the first thing that made me distrust him <laughs> that's in right. this book so far. Uh, up until now, like, he seemed mm-hmm. like a, a person of sterling character. Mm-hmm. But the tomato juice thing is mm-hmm. very suspicious. It is. 315. I put in a call to Sir Charles Goldstein. Jew. He's out, and I leave a message. He's a successful real estate attorney, but <laughs> not one of my Jewish. favorites. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Charlie Goldstein is from the Bronx, but he's a very pomp- pompous guy and has a tendency oh. to act like royalty, so I call him Sir Charles. Oh, takes one to know one, asshole. <laughs> Over the weekend, yeah, you're talking about a man of the people. Shut up. Over the weekend, I heard that Lee Iacocca had hired Sir Charles to represent him on a deal in Palm Beach where Lee and I intend to be partners. Lee had no way of knowing about my past experience with Sir Charles. A while back, I was in the middle of making a deal with a guy who needed an attorney, and I recommended Sir Charles. The next thing I knew, Sir Charles was recommending to his client that he not make the deal with me. I couldn't believe it. What? Wrong. Oh, Sir Charles, come on. You don't do that to Mr. Dumpface. What was his name? <laughs> Dump Bucket. Dump Bucket. Dump Bucket. The deal is to buy two condominium towers in the Palm Beach area. I own a house in Palm Beach, a spectacular place called Mar-a-Lago. Ah. And one day last winter, winter, when I was down for the weekend, I went out to have lunch with some friends. On the way, a pair of beautiful gleaming white towers caught my eye. Uh, is that, is that <laughs> a reference ask. to women? I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it was like a, you know a, two members of the Swedish bikini team right? or something. I made a Wait, couple... there's a team of bikinis? <laughs> the Swedish bikini team, team was like a thing in the 80s. I think it was just like a some... A team of just people in bikinis. I, I think it was just some models that had like good branding. I, you paused a lot between good and branding, and well, I wasn't I, really sure where you were going to go. They had really good Well, well I, I realized branding. That, that branding is like an ambiguous term, and I, I sort of... I didn't want it to make it sound like they were getting like branded with a hot iron. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway... I made a couple of calls. It turned out they'd been built for about $120 million, and a major New York bank had foreclosed on the developers. The next thing I knew, I was making a deal to buy the project for $40 million. A mutual friend, William Fugazi, (laughs) first mentioned that Lee and I should do a real estate deal together. The punk band? I think, yeah, I think... um, uh, I think Donald Trump is uh, is very good friends with Ian MacKay and I the rest so. of Fugazi. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's it's He's just li- so, he so obvious. Ed. He lives straight edge. That's, That's why exactly he didn't have it. tomato juice. That's why he had I, just tomato juice. I, I believe actually he does not drink. Trump? Yeah. Yeah. That I think that's true. Um, and, and that's just wait. The this is serious. We should really uncover this. Is there a Fugazi dump truck? Connection. Well, first, first of all, it's not Fugazi. The band is not someone's name. 
<laughs> it's not... I know. Don't get literal with me all of a sudden. Okay. No, no, you're right. There's there's definitely, <laughs> well, you, you know, he, he's going to be spending a lot of time in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. which is where Fugazi is from. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you ever um, gone to a Fugazi concert? I've never. Have you? Um, I... Uh, Almost went to one, and then which is not why I even say that. But I, I almost went to one, and then I found out that there was just sometimes a little bit of um, violence at them, like oh, maybe so not you, really violence. You wimped but like, out on a Fugazi concert. I kind of wimped out because I was just like, I don't know if I want to be in a crowd of people throwing themselves at each other. Well, at least you got a great story out of it. No. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I think Lee is an extraordinary businessman who has done wonders in turning Chrysler around, and I also like him a great deal personally. So one thing led to another. And I guess they had sex. What? And we began talking about the towers. Well, one thing led to another know, that's is often, never, never no. used in a non-sexual context, it, right? I don't um, think so. No, you're it's, right. It's like when you're you're like trying to explain like why you had an affair or or like you know yeah, telling he, a mildly titillating story. But when he's working a deal, Matthew, he's massaging it, and then he goes in and then he fucks it. So. That's a good one point. One thing led to another, and they're gonna they're gonna culminate the deal. Well, you know what he said? I do it to do it. He did say that right at the get-go. Right at the beginning. It's a substantial investment, and I'm not certain Lee is absolutely sure that he, yet that he wants to go forward. If that's the case, it occurs to me, he's done the perfect thing by hiring an attorney I don't like, and that's precisely what I intend to, to tell Sir Charles when he calls me back. What? I don't understand. I don't get that. I, I, it, it sounds like he, he's just planning to be pissy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, we can't stop yet. Oh, uh, we my gosh. Uh, one more entry. Okay. 3.30 p.m. Entry? Is this a journal? It's a journal, yeah. Oh, 3:30 I didn't realize PM. that. Okay. Uh, I call my sister Marianne Barry. Not, what? <laughs> what? Not, not Marianne Barry. But his sister's name is Marianne... Marianne, Marianne Barry. Barry. So both spelled differently, but... Uh, Interesting. Okay. <laughs> but probably smokes crack. <laughs> to discuss a recent decision in a lawsuit we are contesting in Atlantic City. Marianne is a federal court judge in New Jersey, and her husband John is a talented attorney I've used on many occasions. Not like Sir Charles, that Mm-mm. hack. Mm-mm. Can you believe they ruled against us, I ask her? Marianne is very smart. She obviously knows a lot more about the law than I do, and she's as surprised as I am. I tell her I've arranged to have all the materials from the case sent to John immediately because I want him to handle the appeal. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, Whoa. wow. Do you okay. feel like you understand a lot more about the world we live in now? I actually do a little bit. Like, hmm. what did um, you learn? Well, that you know, this is this is uh, a not that I didn't realize this already, but this is a, this is a person who has never done anything wrong. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a game. It's all about winning and. That's not actually how you run a country. Well, I mean, yeah, it's all—it's all about winning and about like collecting adulation. Absolutely. Um, like, he I can't... don't know, and I—I'm like somewhat sympathetic to that in, uh, like not not the winning part mm-hmm. or or the you know denying you've ever done anything wrong part, but or like you the know, anything I like... about him part. <laughs> um, well, I mean, what like, are you sympathetic to? Adulation? The the getting peed on part. No, um, the uh, yeah, the adulation part. Like you know, I love it when people when people uh, you know say say I'm I'm a great guy and and they like my stuff. Who doesn't? Um, Who and doesn't? Uh, you know, I would probably like do some dumb things in in uh, in pursuit of that. But wait, not would that dumb? Would do some dumb things? I think we've oh, all oh, sure, done sure, sure. some dumb things because we've been complimented. But there are like different magnitudes of dumb things. I, I, I think we could all come up with an example right here on the spot of something dumb we did just because we got complimented. Um, well, oh, oh, because like... like uh, We got complimented. We made an agreement. We made a deal based on just being complimented. 
Um, that was not a good deal. Well, I, I, I've told this story before. It's not. It's not exactly just that I was complimented, um, but that's kind of where it started. Um, that uh, there was uh, there's a girl a in high job? school. <laughs> like <we're... laughs> that's uh, one thing led to another. <laughs> um, there was there was a girl in high school who like told me uh, how smart I was, and I thought she was cute, and so I did her math homework oh, several times. Yes, yeah. you got snookered. I got so snookered, and I like when I was doing the homework. I was I I was sure at times, like you know, um, you know, I'm gonna get some out of this. Oh (laughs) my gosh! Like, in in retrospect, one thing did not lead to another. You got to smell her. (laughs) What? I mean, you were close enough to assume to be near her. Like when I was handing the homework back over. Yeah, sure, and that made it all worth it. (laughs) Yeah, I just leaned in for a good sniff. That's that's what I do. Uh, all right, you can find us online. Uh, Lookinsidethisbookclub.com uh, and on Facebook at facebook.com/lookinsidetbc. I feel like this has to be a real good one. The, uh, this braggadocious uh, cocksucker. No, yeah, I don't want to say sure, that. That's, uh, yeah, that's that's like one of these things that like doesn't seems like an un, has become like an unfair it's insult. True, right? It's true. So because like, there's nothing, there's wrong, nothing with wrong with sucking, right. sucking cock. But uh, uh, let's see this brag. Or, or, I mean, or getting peed on, for that matter. Just no, like, there's nothing wrong as with As long it. as you clean up afterwards. Um, I don't know. Look, in, look inside this... Um, mm, Bully, bullyish... Uh, this, this bullying... Uh, boy, like, all the all the popular insults that start with C are problematic, huh? Crap stain. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> uh, and what is our book for next time? Our book for next time is called... <laughs> I can't say it without giggling... Made for a chic. <laughs> uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. We have stalled out at twenty reviews, and it's oh, been a, m- a month since we've had a new review. So if you leave a review, I will—I don't know—I will come and I'll be a made to your <laughs> no, just, chic. Just if you leave a review, I will come. I will. I'll be okay. so excited. So one one thing leads to another. You leave a review, and <laughs> uh, that's that's what it sounds like. Okay, we'll see you next time. Uh, we're doing the episode now. Yeah. Is, is it happening? It's happening. Okay. <laughs>